in our family, we would make, especially as kids, a trip to the library once every couple of weeks. And there, I remember, as, especially as a fifth grader, I would get loads and loads and loads of books. Part of the reason was because we didn't have a TV. My brother did something. That's a whole other story, maybe for another homily. But the, the story is that we read all the time. One of my favorite books to read was the Red Wall series. It's by Brian Schock, who's an author. It tells the story of these animals that have their kingdom, and they fight their wars, wage their battles, but then they have these feasts as well. I remember as a fifth grader reading these books before going to bed, and reading about these sumptuous feasts that they're having, the wines that they're drinking, the, the meat that they're eating and putting their teeth into, and just thinking, wow, I'm so hungry. I wish I could go back and be with them in that feast that they're having. But then I remembered, we have a kitchen here. So why not go have a midnight snack? So sneak into the kitchen, have a little snack, and then go back to reading. Brothers and sisters, we hear a parable today, we hear a prophecy as well in the other readings. But what they're talking about is this feast. And it can be a temptation of ours to go back and want to be there at that time. But the Lord reminds us that there's something we can do about that hunger that's hopefully arising in our hearts as we hear these beautiful stories being told. In all the readings today, we hear once again the mountain. You might be thinking, Father, you're obsessed with the mountain. I've mentioned it many times, but that mountain is the place of encounter with the Lord. It's a place where people would go to worship God as well. In this first reading that we read today from Isaiah, talks about a feast on the mountain, Mount Zion in particular. There, the mountain of the Lord of hosts. And it'll be a feast, feast with the best food you can imagine, the best drink you can imagine. There will be no more death, there will be no more fear of death. Because all that's going to be destroyed. And the prophet says that on that mountain you will say, Behold the Lord. You will see him for who he truly is. And you will rejoice and be glad. So it's that prophecy looking forward. In a way, that prophecy is fulfilled in the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, on Mount Zion, there on the Mount of Jerusalem. There on Mount Calvary. And it's there in that mountain that once again we have an encounter with the living God, but he looks a little bit different. But it's there that death is definitively destroyed. Sin is destroyed. Evil has no more grasp over us. It might not have been in the way that we had imagined or hoped for, but it's our Lord Jesus Christ there crucified that destroys death forever. And that veil is removed. The veil itself of the temple was torn in two at the death of Jesus Christ. And there we have a feast. It's a different feast once again. It's Christ's body, Christ's blood, poured out completely for you and for me. So in a small way, that prophecy that Isaiah is talking about is fulfilled in the crucifixion. But it's even more fulfilled as we ourselves look forward as well, namely in heaven, that eternal banquet, that heavenly feast with God himself. God Himself, the Holy Trinity, we're going to be with Him there in heaven, immersed in Him, immersed in His love as well. And there will be a feast. We'll be completely fulfilled. There will be no more fear, no more tears in our eyes, as Isaiah says. There will be no more death, because all that is conquered definitively. And we're there with Christ and with God Himself for all of eternity. 
there on that celestial mountain, if you will, where we'll say, Behold the Lord, I see Him right in front of me. We are immersed in Him and in His love. We see Him so clearly. And there, there will be rejoicing. There will be gladness. There will be happiness to His full. We'll need nothing else. And so all these looking back, looking forward, and the fulfillment, it all is kind of wrapped up in this parable that our Lord Jesus Christ poses today. Once again, it's very clear in Matthew, he says, to the chief priests and elders of the people. He's still talking to the leaders of the Jewish faith. And he poses to them this parable. There's a king, that's God himself, who's thrown a wedding banquet for his son, Jesus Christ. That wedding banquet is Christ himself espousing himself to you and to me, to the church, if you will, with all the people taking us as his spouse. And the king sends his servants to go make these invites to the people. But people start to make excuses. I'm too busy. I have to work. I have family matters to attend to. Some of them kill the servants that bring that invitation. All this because they don't realize how great of a thing it is to be invited to this wedding banquet that they have no right to be invited to. It's a complete gift. They're not aware of it. They don't appreciate it. They don't even care, it seems. And so the king sends his servants to go get the others. The people that are in the highways and the byways, the lost. But even those who come, there's a requirement to have that wedding garment. And this one man doesn't have it, and he's called out on it, and he's reduced to silence, and he's kicked out. No longer allowed there in that wedding day. Well, brothers and sisters, we can make a little remix, if you will, a modern spin on this parable, and it might go something like this. The king sends invites to the banquet. And he says you can come at 4 p.m. on Saturdays, or 9.30 on Sundays, or 11.30 on Sundays. You can come to Mass. That's this banquet with the sumptuous food, with the king himself being the one who invites us, sending his son, that nuptial feast for him and us. And people respond, I'm too busy. I have work today. I'm too busy. I'm going to be on vacation. I'm too busy. The lions are playing today. We make all these excuses not to come to this banquet that we're invited to. Or maybe they ignore it. But not everyone ignores the invites. Some people come, just like all of us who are here today. <clears throat> but we have to ask ourselves, those who are coming, are we properly dressed? Not necessarily physically speaking. That is important. It is important to show externally the fact that we realize we're coming to a wedding banquet. But even more than that, how did we act this last week? I think it's in St. Paul, he talks about we need to vest ourselves with deeds of righteousness. Not only faith, but our works as well. So how are we acting during the week? What's our internal disposition when we come to Mass? And if we're not having that right disposition, or if we're not coming to Mass, maybe it's because we don't realize what's really going on. Every single Mass that we go to, whether it's Sunday or during the week, but especially on Sunday, that's what the Lord commands us to do. He obliges us to come. He wants us to come. Because it's here in this Mass that we have this mountain feast. And once again, it's, it's looking back at the crucifixion, that greatest act of love that there ever was. But it's also looking forward to that heavenly banquet that we all hope to enjoy, that we all hope to partake in for all of eternity. 
they're in heaven. It's here at Mass, brothers and sisters, where we encounter our Lord. We feast with His body and with His blood. Death and sin is destroyed, and we say, Behold, or rather I say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold, He who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Hopefully this is all clicking. Hopefully it's all making sense. And so we should respond as well by rejoicing, by being glad that we get to come to Mass. We get to partake of this mountain feast, this heavenly banquet. And so my challenge for, for you, and I say it to myself as well, we need to learn more about the Mass. We need to grow in our appreciation and our knowledge of what goes on here. Because it wasn't just some men in Rome that decided let's do these random things. It should last about an hour. Let's do it every Sunday. No, it's all built on tradition. It's all pulled from Scripture. It all pulls from something, but also leads to something else. So we ourselves need to come to a greater appreciation, but also help others to understand. Help others to become more aware of what's going on. Secondly, you guys are here. You responded to that invitation of the servants, if you will, to come to the wedding feast. You didn't reject it. And that's huge. That's good. That's beautiful. But once again, we have to ask ourselves, how are we dressed? Are we dressed with deeds of righteousness? Are we acting as Christians and as Catholics throughout the whole entire week? Or do we just put on our, our gowns of faith when we come here, just that one hour every single week? I hope this Mass isn't an isolated event of your faith, but it's something that you prepare for during the week and you give thanks for in the week to come. That's how we make this be the center of our lives. The pinnacle, if you will, that mountain, that mountaintop moment of the week, of our faith, of our days, brothers and sisters. And so I present to you an encouragement and a piece of advice that was given to me right when I became a brother. One of the priests that I was living with said, Brother Joe, as a brother, you're going to be so busy during the Mass. You're going to be serving, you're going to be making sure the servers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So if you really want the Eucharist to be the center of your life, you need to do two things. To prepare, and to give thanks. And so I present that same advice to you as well. To prepare. If you're able to come to Mass a little bit early, and spend some time in silence, praise be to God. Maybe as a family, before you even get in the car, you're reading the scriptures together to, to think, okay, what would I preach about? What's Father going to preach about? What's the Word of God trying to tell us today? Or even while you're driving here, that's a good option as well. But more than anything, to prepare yourself by reminding who you are yourself, but also who you are going to receive in the Eucharist. And then after Mass, if you can, spend some time in your pew thanking God for just what, what just happened. That's so crucial. I never did that my whole life until I was in high school. In one of the churches that we went to, it was beautiful. Mass was ended, and you'd hear all the kneelers go down. Boom. And everyone would fall to their knees and pray. It wasn't a mad dash to the door before the song even ended. People waited until the music was done. They knelt down, and they prayed. They realized what was going on. So think about adopting that for yourself or for your family as well. The door's always going to be there, all the way in the back of the church until everyone is gone. I guarantee you that, so there's no rush. Take your time and remind yourself, once again, who you are, a child of God, and who you just received, 
our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray for that grace today, especially through the intercession of St. Teresa of Avila, the great Spanish saint that we celebrate today, that through her intercession, Christ and the Eucharist may always be at the center of our lives. 